This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash starwarsreport. Let's do the show, folks. Come, come, come. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Star Wars Report podcast. I'm your host, Riley Blyton. So glad to have you back. Uh, we are indeed here to talk all the latest and greatest in the world of that galaxy far, far away. And uh, with me this week is a very special guest. You uh, you guys, a lot of you guys probably already know her as my sister, Bethany Blanton. How's it going, Bethany? Hi, hi. Hello, hello. <laughs> I am doing well. And yeah, I'm having a great day having a good time i've been watching some star wars mostly the mandalorian and clone wars recently oh yeah i have a question for having me on are you sick of that joke though is the is it time to retire (laughs) the return of the jedi sibling joke i don't know i feel like i use it every time but i can't stop i can't stop myself have to retire it as long as you use it sparingly yeah, I think that's that's my last one for the year. Like one and only time I've, and I've known, <laughs> one a year. I've I've burned through it, but no, it's uh we've got a lot to talk about this week, and it's good to have you back on the show and touch base on a very significant week for the podcast in some ways, and that is it's sort of a real um, hipstery Star Wars Day, or at least this week was. Um, it's the new I. I <laughs> I always laugh. May the Fourth is the new Hallmark holiday of Star Wars. And it's the new thing to be too it, cool for school. New, like because May Fourth has been around for quite some time. It has, it. but I'm just saying, like the all the OG hipsters, of which I might, I'm getting close to being one of them. I'm not there yet. Are all like actually <clears throat> technically a real Star Wars day is May 25th, so um, you can suck it. No, <laughs> that's kind of what people are like. Um, but no, it, it is. It's the forty um, third count them 43 43rd anniversary of a new hope so we are going to talk about that a little bit later in the show uh but first it's time to jump into some news we have something to report jump closer i have good news data brought to us by the bottom spies we can send a clear transmission there it is listen listen Mm, well it's uh, sorry to get all real world right off the bat in the first segment but listen it's the it's the coronavirus it's the it's uh, the first well it's actually really the first coronavirus impact uh on the world of star wars publishing or filming or projects that we know of at least and uh that is the official delay of the upcoming high republic project um uh, I, I will link to a story in gizmodo but they talk a little bit about it it's officially delayed this is the big it's the best comparison is this is the shadows of the empire for the modern era it is the movie without a movie publishing uh initiative across all mediums uh except the big screen um but it's it's i'm not too surprised but starwars.com it's official um 
the upcoming publishing initiative, The High Republic, a series of interconnected novels and comics following the Jedi Order in a period approximately 200 years before the events of the Star Wars films, has due to, quote, general marketplace delays, and like so many things, quote, these unprecedented times, it has been pushed back to a January 2021 launch. Uh, on, a sca- on the scale of disappointments, where does this uh, fall for you? So I have been looking forward to this, not going to lie, but I've also only been following it from the periphery, from the sidelines, if you will, because I never really believe that something's going to come out until it comes out. And so with a lot of my Star Wars and media in general from multiple franchises recently, I've just been enjoying it more Mm. as it comes out. And As a big Final Fantasy VII fan, you know what that's like. It's, yes, exactly. And yeah. so, uh, it's, yeah, exactly. So, well, you know, and, and that's the thing. Well, how much are, were you trying, because we didn't actually talk about this a lot when it happened, just because it didn't necessarily, um, it wasn't the thing that has me most excited. Like I think Mandalorian and clone wars were my focus when they announced this. And so I was like, Oh cool. It's a new, but it kind of reminded yes. me of the, Oh God, what was the, if you remember fate of the Jedi? Yes. Once kids, once upon a time before there were Disney movies coming out, they would do, uh, these huge, long, often very convoluted, not great <clears throat> novel series. Um, and a fate of the Jedi is a perfect example of that, where it was this huge, long book series. But it's it's kind of that plus, like the the ambition of the project was bigger because of trying to tie in like stories that all connect to each other um, from the comics and junior novels and regular novels. And and I gotta say, the what actually got me most excited about it um, was Charles Soule being tied because it my last year or two of, of getting much more into um, the the comics, the Disney era comics, the Marvel comics that have been coming out the last few years have really made me a huge fan of Charles Soule's work, mostly his Darth Vader comic series. And, and he has, he's had some other uh, limited runs like uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan. Uh, I just started the Poe Dameron comic series. I got the first volume of that. But a lot of his work in the Marvel comic storytelling and uh, mainly Darth Vader is what I was most excited. So he was attached to the project to not be writing for comics, but he was going to write the debut novel light of the Jedi. And just because he's so freaking good, um, I, I was pretty excited to see what that would be. Um, that was probably the one piece that I'm most excited about is just to see a novel by Charles soul. But as far as the actual, era i just you know they announced the characters i couldn't even tell you their names or what they look like or anything like that i I mean i remember reading the article when it came out but like i guess it's kind of like clone wars initially i don't really know i don't have any attachment to these characters yet maybe i will but we'll see yeah well it's also for me it's difficult to get invested you mentioned fate of the jedi for me it kind of called back in my mind um uh the new jedi order Oh yeah, uh, the Yu Song Vong series. Mm-hmm, yeah, and so that that was kind of what it called back to me because at nineteen books, even though <laughs> some of the storylines interested me, it was a bit too daunting for me to get into, and that's 
And that's coming from somebody who's read close to 50 Star Wars books, which is definitely like there are people who've read every single book. There are people who've read multiple books multiple times. For me, I have liked the books a lot and I've really loved some of the books, but I don't think that I could get into a 19 book series yeah. like that, for example. I mean, and no, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Like, well, it's, and I'm not, yeah. this, the, the novels aren't my thing, like in general with Star Wars. I've, I'm very transparent about that. Although, but it, I'm always open to um, my mind being changed. Um, and I, and honestly, the, the Vader comic, I was like, you know what? I've heard so many people say this is good. I'm going to, you know, venture into this new storytelling medium that has never really been my thing before, but I'm just going to get it. And, I, and I'll tell you, Bethany, the, the Vader comic series is the best storytelling of the entire uh, Disney era. And I, and I said that when the, the fourth volume came out uh, for the Vader uh, comics. And it's, it is absolutely brilliant. It's, it's essentially chronicling the, the trials and adventures um, and the tragedy of Darth Vader post Revenge of the Sith. And it really digs into the mythology of the prequels and ties it into the um, original trilogy and sequels brilliantly. Like it, it, it feel it, it ties in the Star Wars mythology uh, in a way that I've never seen before. In, in a way that reminded me of a lot of, of um, Force Unleashed and how well that kind of tied to the films. Um, and 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 if that's yeah. kind of the thing, Force Unleashed is one of those things. Is like the game promised crazy force action plus Darth Vader, and then you kind of fell in love with the character, the Secret Apprentice, throughout the story. So like I'm open to the High Republic, hopefully converting me that way. But I, I I'm maybe, I don't know, maybe slightly skept, uh, skeptical still. Well, and I I think there there's a level of skepticism probably coming from you just because I know you well enough to know that you were not uh, the biggest fan of some of the latest Legends series as they were coming out. You really liked one or two of them, mm. but the but you, you were gravitating more towards the releases of one-offs rather than the series that were coming out at the time. Yes. So you kind of fell off of the series... Yeah. So I think maybe that I will is still driving some myself. of your skepticism. Well, because you know, so our best friend, like Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Goins, Star Wars bookworms. Um, you know, he loves he loves the novels and he loves the series, and and I, I still I still feel like I have to defend myself because like I listen, I suffered through. Listen, I'm being hyperbolic, but I suffered through like three or four Fate of the Jedi uh, novels, like wondering what happens next, and they kind of string you along, and then nothing ha- was happening, and I was like, what? You, what? Why? <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and it, it really is a to each their own for those who loved some of the, the latest book series coming from the Star Wars universe. They are probably significantly more excited because they really loved the last book series that came out. So now they're looking forward to this one, whereas you were not a huge fan of it. I remember you weren't a particular fan of it. I did like several of the fate of the jedi books i read most of them but not quite all um and so yeah maybe i have a little less skepticism from that perspective but for me it's more of a a time thing Mm. so so for me it'll be length of the series Mm, yes Um, and and if the announcements about the series changes at all yes and that's the greatest flaw of uh the the storytelling 
legends and then now in in the novels is is um that that trap you fall into when it's it it, it gets too bloated um, and it's it's really difficult right now i think for creators and producers of any type of media because i mean there's a global pandemic going on there's a global economic stress or issues yeah. of varying degrees in different countries and so you don't necessarily know when is the best time to release something what it is that people would be looking for or would enjoy the most there is uh, yeah there's that element of financial reality to it which which it depends on which way you paint it it could be a little bit on the more cynical side but i really do think that like spending on um entertainment in general is, is just not going to be a thing that's happening as much this summer. Although we talked before the show and you made a good point of like, well, it may not be that much of a thing right after Christmas either. Yeah. January yeah, is no- but notoriously the dumping ground for, for movies. For movies, yes. For For a book series, I think that that would be a bit different, especially if it's something that catches and builds because then mm. fans are... If they buy the first book, they love the first book, then they wait for bated breath for the second book, mm, yeah. and then the series can catch more steam. So, well, we and shall I, see. And you know what? Honestly, it's a, in this way, it's a good thing. Like, the the pace of publishing has just been too hectic, and it's, I think, oversaturated uh, the market to some extent. Uh, because of the amount of... Are you talking of, books or movies and the, Star talking, Wars or not Star Wars? Yeah, Star, I'm talking, Star Wars publishing um comics books um tie-in material it it got pretty overwhelming because they would have their complete journey to series they would have several ongoing comic series at once uh book series tie-in books junior novels uh regular novels like there's there's this um if if there's not not this other extraneous material distracting or saturating the market, it gives a chance if it's good and if it really captures the imaginations of Star Wars fans. I think it gives a chance for High Republic to to properly take its own spot time in the highlights. So we're not. It'll be if it, coming out in January. Now it's going to be after the new season of Mandalorian. So everyone will be talking about that. It'll be after. Um, well, I guess that's really the big Star Wars thing, but it, it gives it a little bit more time, I guess, and more uh, build up, hopefully. Uh, for Which that I kind actually of kind of like. If if, yeah. if they need this, if it's for marketing reasons, if it's for financial reasons, if it's for the the economy and public relations reasons, if it's for creative reasons mm. uh, with the authors or the storyline, really, in the end, I would rather them delay it if they need to. In, in a way similar to where we're seeing with the movies is the there being a little bit more time between some of the movie releases. Yes. Uh, because I, I totally agree with you. Like, I don't remember a decent throwback to a number of years ago when you and I were trying to figure out what all licensees had rights to different Star Wars books. And we had this convoluted like chart oh, and yeah. list and diagram yeah. of like who, what was who the publishes what, of yeah. what and who pub- who would publish what and what authors were working with which companies so we could try and I kid you not figure I, out it's still what that book way list I freaking, we should be on <laughs> I, free, I ordered the um, the art of Star Wars Rebels book and uh, ordered it. it's a different publishing company than the art of Rise of Skywalker Walker book it's it's crazy um, wait really wow uh, I, I know, did not I know, know that right huh. Uh, it is, it is, it is 
somewhat crazy. So we'll stay tuned and we'll uh, we'll hopefully it'll be it'll be a big part of the conversation in in twenty twenty one, and it'll be happening at a time where you know you and I've been to plenty of these um, uh, author panels and stuff. They they they, they are a big hit. That's a big part of the promotion. So by waiting, they'll be able to maybe at New York Comic Con or maybe next year at the at the summer convention season might might be a different story next year, and they'll be able to promote it better. But yeah. Um, I might be I might be throwing a little bit of a wrench at you, so feel free to throw it back at me or tell me we're discussing it later on a different episode or something. Yeah. But what did you think of what the article was saying that was talking about the delay of the series also being a potential harbinger, if you will, of celebration being delayed? Oh yeah. Yeah, you know, we haven't actually talked about that a lot on the show. Uh, we talked about it on one of our, our, our Patreon um, roundtables uh, that we did uh, a couple weeks ago, I want to say, and, and the sort of general conclusion that I already have come to based on a kind of fourth and fifth hand knowledge and conversations. But, I mean, it's just common sense, too. It's just not going to happen uh, if you look at the guidelines. They're, they're, California, you guys have three... Listen, you're, you are now a resident of the... A beautiful state of California, and um, you guys are in. Fa- you have three phase. Uh, well, multiple phases. I know you're in phase two now, and I think I just saw an announcement that it, Disney can open with limited capacity during phase three, and so that's yes. like limited capacity open air where they can affect social distancing. Convention giant convention center. I seriously doubt that that's phase three, um, and so. I I just I just don't see it. I just I just don't see it happening. I don't either with the the way that things have gone in California. I I mean we are a state that has more covid cases than many other states and Governor Newsom has been pretty conservative when it comes to um mm. uh relaxing the flattening of the curve measures uh mm. which I understand because as I mean, this state has had significantly more cases. Yeah. So that's fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think they're right on on the money. This 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 is one more indication that they're not doing it at Star Wars Celebration because this was going to be at the launch. This is going to be why they launched at that time, uh, and they could have taken advantage of all that momentum. So um, it just it just makes perfect sense, at least to me. Uh, hey, you do you remember? Um, do you remember? I don't know. Solo, a Star Wars story? Oh, yeah, that little movie. So you want to make a difference? Yeah. Trust me, you're going to love it. And which branch are you interested in joining? I'm going to be a pilot. Best in the galaxy. Your name? Ah, yes. Solo, a Star Wars story. Uh, it was pretty cool. They, they did the... I saw it on Twitter mentioned a few days earlier, but uh, the attempt was to make uh, make Solo 2 happen. A it was a campaign to get it trending on Twitter and social media platforms. Hashtag make solo two happen. And 
was like, oh, that's cute. I'm sure like all the 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 biggest solo fans um, that I know uh, are gonna be on there. Like it'll be nice, positive. People will be excited about it. It kind of freaking took off on Twitter on on Memorial Day. Uh, a ton of people were tweeting. It was the number two trending topic for a time on Memorial Day on Twitter. And so the the, the fan campaign really kind of picked up some steam, at least on uh, social media, um, in a way that I would nor I normally don't put a lot of stock in these kinds of things. But like, if you don't think Disney notices this kind of stuff, you haven't seen season seven of the Clone Wars, right? So like, we are at a time where they are starving for content. They're announcing seventeen Disney Plus shows a day. Um, and so this whole <laughs> make solo two happen. I think it really shows. And it was the other thing that was a hallmark of it was it was largely very positive. Like I was combing through um, Twitter and I saw a couple of prominent um, film bloggers and stuff talking about how uh, free of what's the word uh, toxicity <laughs> this campaign was. It didn't have anything to do with all oh, the sequels suck or I hate the Last Jedi or you know like there's very little of the sadly uh, nor uh, normal angst that comes with a lot of uh, Star Wars fandom at least on Twitter um, <laughs> and that and that was great it was like really cool to see people were sharing their favorite scenes pictures and uh, got it trending and a lot of positive response so I, I think honestly it's the exact kind of campaign that piques the interest of Lucasfilm not just because they got it to trend but because of the nature of the f- the fan community that's rallied around Solo just this sort of unlikely film that was pronounced a flop by by you know the fandom writ large at least and uh and yet still i there was the i remember last year at dragon con there's the big solo appreciation panel that was a pretty big hit um yeah and and we had a great time at that so i think it's just i don't know what is it that you think i don't know that there's a, a ton to really dissect other than um looking back at it do you think solo has is is proving itself to be uh the more uh, sl- uh, not sleeper hit. What's the what's the word for like the princess bride? This like um, I guess corner of Either pop like culture, cult classic. Yeah, or that's slow what. Burn. Yeah, cult classic kind of um, a vibe to it. I don't know. What do you think it's about solo that 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 captures that? I think it's specific characters. I think people who have an enduring love for either the original trilogy characters or the original trilogy characters as portrayed in legends uh, are, are getting a bit more of that kick, if you will. And then in addition to that, it's, it's a type of movie that very much appeals to a specific type of not necessarily hardcore star Wars fans audience. Uh, So it's a smuggler movie. It's like, it's kind of a, a gangster slash um, like heist movie all rolled up into a Star Wars film. And so I think a lot of people really enjoyed it for a, a fun heist film. Mm. And then a lot of Star Wars fans really enjoyed it for specific characters. Like, I mean, there's Darth Maul, there's Kira, there's the young Han Solo there's Donald Glover's portrayal of Lando Calrissian. All of those things are are really awesome. Yeah, and it's um, it's uncontroversial too, in a good way. It, there's not a 
it sort of recaptures a time when uh, an elements of Star Wars that people aren't as precious about. I think it has a lot more room for forgiveness because it's not dealing with like the fate of Luke Skywalker, right? Uh, it's it's and, and all the debates and stuff that come with that. It's literally an Indiana Jones movie set in Star Wars, kind of. It really is like the the whole adventure. Um, and I and I love that. I actually, I, I it's one of my favorite things. I and I think I I remember like um, I was super plugged into um, fandom. The year Solo came out was the year before I went active duty uh, Air Force. So I had all the time in the world. I was really kind of fully sunk into the promo around the movie. And uh, I I remember going out to of all things. This this is sort of the the highlight low light of my career is as a podcaster, and that is. Um, somebody at Denny's thinking it was worth buying me a plane ticket <laughs> to send me out to the big, um, you know, international press announcement of their tie-in campaign with promotional campaign with Solo, a Star Wars story, and they served up a bunch of uh, <laughs> a bunch of Solo themed meals that they were going to feature in Denny's across America, uh, with you know, with Solo cups and solo themed meals and prizes and little things that you can get and um and i just remember this the surreal feeling of uh sitting on stage in the theater at the um man's chinese theater <laughs> at hollywood boulevard eating denny's <laughs> and like that that's probably the most thing i will remember about the solo press experience and the solo and like the hype leading into the movie um, and, and it, oh, that's so fun! I, I was, I'd kind of forgotten you did that. Briefly. It was ridiculous. Let me be honest. It was so ridiculous. Like it sort of it it showcased peak desperation to market the movie, and that it, there's some real problems with the marketing of the movie. They they really it's probably the greatest marketing disaster in Star Wars. It's not a disaster of a film. It's not a disaster of box office. It's just I think it's honestly a disaster of marketing. Uh, and and but like I somehow got caught in the middle of that, and I think it, it probably shows you the the level of um, expertise when when they are trying to figure out how to market this movie when they're paying podcasters to come eat Denny's. <laughs> and the, I can say that with yeah, reflection, like I, yeah, I can, I some self deprecating no, humor. Know if that's desperation so much as just a, a miss missed marketing niche, I, I guess. That's fair. That's fair. You know, it's it's one of the it's it's one of those crazy things that sh- shows we you know you're always trying to find creative ways. So you know what, do, do a tie in with. I remember the uh, the Hobbit movies did a tie in with Denny's, um, at one point. So they've done it before, but uh, uh, to this day, I think I still have uh, some of the swag from that swag bag that they gave at that event. <laughs> um, yeah. So there it is. Star Wars makes all two. I think honestly. I think it's going to, um, we will revisit those stories. It may not be enough for a movie. It may not even be enough for a Disney Plus series. But will we get uh, maybe a limited comic series or something like that? Uh, talking about the the fate of Kira and Han and, uh, you know, the criminal underworld, Crimson Dawn, right? I think uh, Star Wars Crimson Dawn, like the comic series. I could see something like that happen. And who knows? Maybe we'll even yeah. get a Disney Plus series as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm telling you, if the Mandalorian is any cue as to how Disney Plus series will go, I am on board for a lot of those. 
Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Well, hey, I want to take a, a brief, brief time out uh, for you guys and, and play this. Um, actually, it's a promo for Rancho Obi-Wan. They're doing something pretty cool. Uh, and let's, uh, I'll just take a listen. Let you Hello there. Yourself. Rancho Obi-Wan, the Guinness World Records certified largest Star Wars memorabilia collection located in Petaluma, California, featuring the collection of super collector, author, and Star Wars fan ambassador, Steve Sansweet. The most powerful Jedi ever. Visit RanchoObiWan.org and subscribe to the Rancho Obi-Wan Virtual Museum, a fun, authentic fan experience featuring rare photos, videos, Steve Sansweet Q&As, virtual tours of the museum, exclusive behind-the-scenes stories and information, and so much more. Plus, your subscription helps ensure the future of the museum. It's the Rancho Obi-Wan Virtual Museum. Subscribe now at RanchoObiWan.org. Get tons of cool perks, information, and history of Star Wars collecting from the man who knows it best, Steve Sansweet, while contributing to the preservation of the world's largest Star Wars memorabilia collection. RanchoObiWan.org. This is Steve Sansweet. You're listening to the Star Wars Report. That's right. Uh, check them out. It's a great time to support uh, Rancho Obi-Wan, especially, as people say, in these crazy times and some of the really cool stuff since they can't actually do tours. Uh, the museum needs some support. And uh, Steve Sansweet is, I mean, he's a, he's a giant in, in Star Wars fandom. So check it out uh, at RanchoObiWan.org. Um, and, hey, uh, Hey, speaking of plugs, if you're interested in uh, supporting this show, you can also do that over at patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Uh, you can check out our weekly bonus content, Rogue Transmissions, a whole series of Clone Wars commentaries I've been doing. I've uh, The last two of the season that I'll be doing this week uh, to catch up on uh, our commentary series for season seven of the Clone Wars. And of course, our, our Facebook chat that we have going each and every week talking all things Star Wars with you find Patreons, a bunch of really cool perks. And as I mentioned, uh, I guess a little earlier in the show, um, if you're interested even at the Bothan High Council level, our uh, monthly uh, Skype hangout, which, which by the way, like I, as a Star Wars podcaster, I, I've been used to hanging out with my friends on Skype for forever. It's like <laughs> I was preparing this for this my whole life. Uh, so you can check out all of those cool perks and support us directly at patreon.com slash star wars report now um we've got a we've got a couple things we can talk about well really there's 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 one thing i think that we'll have to round out the show with uh bethany and that is um a new hope because it is the 43rd anniversary which is still crazy to me because i remember being in a target in 2007 and seeing tie-in material for the 30th anniversary which is now 13 years ago <laughs> and not even that much longer be- oh, wow. before. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Before uh, we started podcasting. So it's kind of crazy looking back on it, but um, I wanted to, um, I wanted to kind of touch base with you on this book that I can't shut up about, uh, which everybody on the podcast has heard me uh, wax eloquent uh, many, many times. And that is uh, the secret history of Star Wars. Um, and I, I, I think I wanted, I wanted to highlight a few things that I learned here on the on the anniversary, um, and maybe get your reaction a little bit. But um, I, I listened to the audiobook, which is every bit of twenty four hours long. <laughs> Oof. It is a Oof. it is a 
thesis. It is a graduate thesis on the history of Star Wars told in a it, it, it reads academically like it's but it is a thorough accounting. It's sort of the tall mood or the Old Testament of Star Wars history. <laughs> it kind of reads like that. But it's a really thorough investigation that the author, Michael Kaminsky, puts together through a bunch of vintage interviews, mostly, with all of the creatives behind Star Wars. They were, the thing is, is, George Lucas was present in the film community a lot and being interviewed a lot throughout the 70s, before, the, before Star Wars even came out. And so were a lot of the original creatives behind it. And it tells an interesting, more honest and less filtered version of how the film actually came to be. And really, the the investigation, chapter two, just called The Star Wars, uh, kind of, um, I don't know, it kind of um, chronicles all the elements that made the movie what it is. Um, and so I, I highlighted it, because I literally ordered the, the physical copy of the book, all 600 pages of it. Uh, <laughs> um, and I've been kind of going through it a little bit. And uh, I wanted to highlight something that I thought was pretty cool um, as far as the timeline of the, the writing, actually, how the early drafts came to be. And I'm just going to jump straight to the, the uh, chapter two. The subtitle is uh, My Little Space Thing. And it's just talking about the I- early, early idea for Star Wars. Um, and it's talking about Lucas having bombarded himself with such uh, such an exotically alien ambience. He first attempted to construct the stories. So he's talking about how Lucas very first came up with the concepts of what we would eventually know as a New Hope. Um, what he ended up with was a vague two pages of a handwritten plot sur- summary with a curious title, "The Journal of the Wills." And this uh, two-page summary, it, in, it opened with the convoluted line, quote, and I've heard this before, I just never knew exactly where it came from. Um, quote, this is the story of Mace Windy, a revered Jedi Bindu of Opochi, as related to us by C.J. Thorpe, a Padawan learner to the famed Jedi. And that's the first sentence of the first... Uh, treatment that lucas gave this this two-page treatment um it's it's really it's really interesting because like this treatment doesn't have a lot similar to the final script but it has it has some similarities and and the chapter kind of goes through and continues to piece together each version of the treatments that that he would uh go through because that that two-page um journal of the wills is kind of the first known out of George's head onto a piece of paper element of Star Wars. And I've heard the phrase journal of the wills and the wills before, but I had never, I'd never pieced together that, that exactly what was that first document that, you know, historically that we can look at uh, as to where the ideas for Star Wars came from. Hmm. Pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. The, um, I, have not really been tracking this book. Like I knew it was an audiobook, but I didn't it I didn't know it was properly published published and I didn't really know too much about it before coming on the show tonight. Yeah. And I am fascinated and adding it to my um audible list. Yes. So <laughs> Well and it and it, like I say it's it's not the um, 
it's not the uh, most uh, like the oh, what's the name of the book? I just had him on the show a few weeks ago. Uh, How Star Wars Conquered the Universe. Chris Taylor. Like that's a great um, look at the cultural impact of Star Wars, right? Uh, and it's really well written and probably has a really kind of uh, very well written and edited narrative to it. Um, but that's because Chris is a professional writer and he's had editors and it's, and, but this re this is the, Michael Kaminsky's work is crazy. And he also he wrote this like in, I want to say late high school or early college at the latest ba based on, um, his, his website and some, a few appearances that he's done, but fun mystery fact, Bethany, uh, he's nowhere to be found on the internet anymore. There's no, there's no, like, there's no Facebook, there, why, there's no, um, Twitter, there's the websites down. The Facebook page for the book has been inactive for about five or six years. Like, oh, he's, wow. It, it, he's like, it, it's my, uh, I don't know. He's, it's, it's my Maltese Falcon that I will someday be able to get a hold of and, and hopefully interview Mr. Michael Kaminsky to talk about like just the meticulous work that he did to piece this together. Cause it is, it is something that shouldn't be forgotten. And, and honestly the book, like we order, it's a small little Canadian publisher that he worked. He published the first version of the book as a free PDF on forums, like in 2006 or seven. Um, wow. It's it's kind of crazy, but there there's that forms, and I, I won't get into the whole thing. And I'll, we'll probably maybe do some future segments uh, talking about the book. But the 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 kind of phase two from that two page is is the actual treatment that he that was approved by Fox. He needed to expand it, and so his first proper treatment was when he really heavily brought in the influences of the Hidden Fortress the Akira Kurosawa samurai film. Um, and, and the interesting thing, cause I've always known hidden fortress was an influence on star Wars, but right here, uh, quote, the first proper version of the star Wars takes form of a 14 page story synopsis, which is uh, also called a treatment, which is essentially the hidden fortress set on another planet. Uh, so this um this is he is a handwritten like ten page document that's featured some in the making of Star Wars book. Um, this one's better known. This fourteen page tra treatment, the Journal of the Wills, has never been published or seen. Uh, Jonathan Rinsler, as I understand, when he wrote the making of Star Wars, had a chance to look at it, but it's like this Indiana Jones document few have ever laid eyes on in a prized vault at Lucasfilm. The the fourteen page uh, treatment I think has been published before, and that's what he wrote in the first week of May nineteen seventy three, uh, a few months before his first film American Graffiti, where his first feature film American Graffiti would come out, and uh, this fourteen page treatment he kind of literally just like he needed a proper like real outline or treatment to pitch um, to movie studios, and for this version. Um, he basically it's accurate. Well, here he goes. Simplify things. It's accurate to say that Star Wars, officially born on May 1973, with the completion of this 14-page synopsis, which was begun following Lucas's failed Journal of the Wheel summary outline in late January of that year. Um, that was the previous one that I was talking about. And if you read it, like the side by and the book does side by side comparisons of this published book about Akira Kurosawa. It's a book about samurai films and Akira Kurosawa, and it kind of summarizes. Um, the Hidden Fortress because Lucas would have had no way to watch the Hidden Fortress or there's no home video. He couldn't get a VHS of it. Um, he would literally, if he saw it in a theater somewhere, he would have yeah. to have 
literally got this book that was published in the 70s and so he kind of plagiarizes the book and like i'll do like this one little side by side and then i i if i had time i would dig into more of the drafts one two and three of the actual script as he wrote it but uh this is where uh you, you the story kind of takes shape and a lot of the stuff has changed later but you will actually recognize bethany some of the elements that live through the uh, hidden fortress into star wars which is um the su- the summary from the book here we go uh this is uh lucas's summary she leia is being guarded by one of her generals luke skywalker and it is he who leads her on a long dangerous journey that follows they take along with them 200 pounds of the greatly tr- treasured aura spice and also two imperial bureaucrats whom the general has captured all right, here we go from the uh, from the Hidden Fortress summary. Here we go. She's being guarded by one of her generals, uh, Roko Wakute Makabe, and uh, it is he who leads her on a, a long and dangerous journey that follows. They take uh, they take along with them two hundred pounds of the greatly treasured treasured royal gold, and also two peasants whom the general has captured. But you see, oh, wow. you see, he literally like he, he kind of and God bless. It, and that's the thing. It's like it's the the real story of Star Wars has sort of been I don't know that it's been lied about. It's been sanitized, though. It's you don't really know. Like he was just like he was a 20 something year old kid who loved Flash Gordon and the Seahawk. And he wanted to make a swashbuckling space movie. And he had all these ideas just rattling around in his head. But he didn't know what he was doing. See, he's literally like uh, plagiarizing. He needs this treatment to pitch to the studio executives. So he's like, uh, well, I guess I'm just, uh, I guess I'm just going to take this book here. <laughs> and that's how yeah. he ends up with this 14-page summary. Yeah. I, it's, he, he's, I he's inspired by it. And even those not familiar with really any of the history of star wars those casual consumers of star wars um who like enjoy the movies but they you know they don't listen to podcasts they don't read the books they don't go to the conventions um they can see the influence that samurai culture Mm -hmm. had into star wars like you you can simply just observe it while you're watching the films and i actually think in some ways the the brilliance of lucas is in creating a space opera that involves so many of these classic storytelling elements and inspirations from multiple genres yeah no exactly it is a melting pot like star wars is a melting pot but i love sort of combing through and finding what it was and it's and it, yeah. it still cracks me up bethany like and this is the last expert uh, uh excerpt i'll read um alan ladd jr who was the executive at fox who uh, accepted the treatment and signed a contract with him um he said famously uh this is a quote from alan ladd jr at fox when Lucas said, uh, this, hey, this sequence is going to be like the Seahawks or like Captain Blood or this one's going to be like Flash Gordon, I knew exactly what he was saying. Uh, that gave me the confidence that he's going to pull it off. Um, and that's kind of, even that film, the, that filmmaking, like you could see what George was talking about and like what he grew up watching as a kid, which of course, uh, you know, we grew up watching uh, our taped off of TV version of Seahawk uh, as kids. Yes. And, it's, and you can see the the 
inspiration for Star Wars, the big score, the villain, the over-the-top villains, the cheesy romance, right? You, you just see that lens through which uh, Lucas sees the world. And it's just a, it's that sort of boyish enthusiasm of a kid who just has these, you know, cool stories ro- rolling around in his, and not even stories, just ideas, fragments and ideas rolling around in his head. He's like, well, I, I want to make a movie and, uh, you know, I, I guess I got to write a treatment. <laughs> so I think... Isn't that where the best stories start though? Anywhere yeah. from, you know, a simple hobbit in a hole in the ground yeah mm-hmm. to a, a space pirate or a space samurai mm-hmm yep a, a, a young wizard you're a, you're a wizard Harry um yeah that, that I, that's it is genre there is and here's what I think Lucas defined with a new hope um, that genre storytelling can be every bit as legitimate and great and timeless as classical storytelling. Um, that, uh, you know, these space movies and horror movies or pirate movies or, you know, these can be uh, enduring uh, enduring stories in, in the same way that uh, Iliad or Shakespeare or, you know, the great poets of old... Uh, shaped human culture these these genre stories will do the same and so you know what uh uh, raise a glass to the very original star wars that made it happen that you know made the whole franchise what it is today because i i and honestly this book has really kind of given me a newfound appreciation for the very original film before before it was a Skywalker saga, before it was even the drama of a father and son it was just this crazy uh, space adventure movie yeah from a, from a kid in small town modesto california <laughs> um yeah and the, and you know what kind of makes me even happier today george lucas doesn't mess with any of the bs <laughs> he's just retired now and gets to like relax and see uh what else has been created i kind of like the fact i feel like he deserves it <laughs> It's a. It's about time. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Stories involve and and take on an imagination of their own. Yeah. After a time, we've seen that with Lord of the Rings. We've seen that with Harry Potter. We've seen that um, yeah. with A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's very, very. Even with Shakespeare. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Throw it back way further. Uh. Well, we got one more thing for you guys. Right after this. This is the Star Wars Report Podcast. Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, we got time for a quick email uh, feedback. It's been in the hopper for a couple weeks here, so I want to get to it real quick before we uh, duck out. It is from uh, Wes from OC. Uh, I assume Orange County. Uh Wes says, hey, Riley, hope you and your family are safe and healthy. Yes, we are. Thank you. I've been binging a ton of Star Wars and have just finished rewatching The Rise of Skywalker. One thing that stands out to me is how Leia adopted Rey, not just as her Padawan, but also as her daughter. It makes her taking the name Skywalker at the end that much more special. Some have issue with it, but uh, you combine her adoption by Leia and Luke really as a family and the Ben force healing her and passing his spirit 
uh, to her, it only made sense that she be a Skywalker at the end. What do you think? Love the podcast. Well, thanks, Wes. I'm going to toss it to you, Bethany. What do you think? Is um, That has been a subject of controversy. It's not Ray No One. It's Ray Skywalker. And I know that's been a huge ongoing debate. But I hadn't really thought about it from the angle of Leia's influence on Ray. I thought a lot about like Luke's interactions with her in, you know, of course, in Last Jedi and a little bit in uh, Rise of Skywalker. But thoughts? I honestly don't really understand why it's a controversy for people because oh, fight I words. understand that. Uh, so your tweet tweets <laughs> know, to at Bethany. I know. Oh. <laughs> I know, but the reason I don't understand it is because it's a bit prescriptive to to think that way. Like she can be she can be adopted into a family. Like there, there are many adults, young adults or even older than young adults who essentially create their family, not from blood, but from their friends and their mentors and people around them, people that they will sometimes fly across the world to see when they move people that they maintain connections with and are essentially their family for decades on who are not Hmm. uh, their their blood and so i think it's there's a there's a there's a purist nature in that response that i don't particularly appreciate Hmm. and and i and i know people are really not going to like Hmm. me saying that but why can't ray adopt as family the only people who have been like family to her Ooh, you know, I I would add thoughts, but uh, I honestly don't think I can do a, a better job. So, well well said. I I mean I think it's 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 well said, Bethany. I I I, I really won't. I'm kind of stumbling on my words here, but I think I absolutely agree with you, and I think it's really important to recognize how she views as a character her experience uh, with Luke and Leia. Um, yeah, I, I think we would have gotten and a lot more too. Well, yeah, absolutely. Han is the broken Obi Wan figure. Like he's the he's the mentor who doesn't have his crap together. I mean, yeah, people talk about yeah, and I mean, I see I see Han almost as being adopted by the Skywalkers, if you will, as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of. I, he well, he married into the family, but still, you know, this is true. He uh, we <laughs> we all have those in laws, right? You know. <laughs> Yeah, but like who who really helped pull Han towards a slightly more legitimate path mm. in the end? Yeah. Yeah, he's like um I mean, you just look back. Um, yeah, even like young whiny Luke was was like calling Han on his BS. Yeah, know? he was. Oh, you take care of yourself cuz that's what you're I guess best that's what at. you're ba- You know, Luke had some great zingers in A New Hope. Like <clears throat> where are you going? Looks like I'm going nowhere. <laughs> Yes, he was like... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, And on that note, folks, we'll be back uh, next week. More Star Wars talk uh, here at the Star Wars Report Podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. Hey, and big shout out. You know, in our Patreon segment, I I rolled right over. Shout out to our latest patron, uh, Gareth. Uh, And Gareth, thanks so much for jumping on board and supporting the podcast. Uh, be like Gareth. Check us out. Patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. 
Um, and and hey, we'll do the we'll do the plugs. Uh, make sure you uh, stay in touch between shows. Uh, the best way to do that really is uh, just on social media. You can follow us at Star Wars Report. You can also uh, find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Star Wars Report. Email us, email the show like Wes. It's just Star Wars Report at gmail.com. Continue the conversation about Rise of Skywalker. Maybe looking ahead to the High Republic, what, you, uh, what you're excited about. Maybe uh, shoot us emails, uh, Star Wars Report at gmail.com. Uh, Bethany, tell, uh, tell the people where they can find you on the internet. Not in a creepy I'm way. I'm an enigma wrapped in a mystery wrapped in... Wait, no. You can <laughs> find me at Stephanie L. Blanton on most platforms. Nice. That's easy. Super easy. Uh, and then I'll, you can also find me on, uh, personally. I'm at the Riley guy, R-I-L-E-Y, the Riley guy on Instagram and Twitter and, and all those places. Uh, you can follow me as well on social media. Um, but you know what? Uh, oh, and then lastly, lastly, don't forget, if you enjoy the show, make sure you leave us a rating or a review. Uh, if you're a Spotify user, I don't actually specifically um, throw this out there much, but I think it's a great time. If you like Spotify, you listen to us there, uh, make sure to follow the show on Spotify um, if it's part of your uh, listening routine. I've been using their um, auto-generated uh, daily commute playlist, and it kind of pulls in your favorite podcasts and songs just based on the algorithm, and it's really cool. So I've really come to appreciate uh, Spotify as a podcatcher so if that's your thing uh make sure you uh, uh follow the show uh and rate it on spotify as well of course I- apple uh if you use the podcast app i'll uh, leave us a rating interview it's a great way to get the word out about the show and um yeah i'm uh, i'm gonna wrap it up that's gonna be it for this episode of the star wars report podcast until next time may the force be with you and remember well remember died to bring you this podcast. to tell you about amazing remixes of Star Wars music I found. Uh, I bet. Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Samuel Kim. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay. He's one of three. One of yes. three. Okay. But I've Samuel just discovered Kim him. Is one of them. I. Uh, uh, then there's this French, like group slash person i don't actually know because it's a french channel and it's all in french and i don't understand it but th- th- he has or they have or whoever has also amazing remixes and then uh and there's another channel as well but i'm gonna have to send you the links yeah because you gotta, it's link, so cool link, links or names uh do you remember what the french dude's called or um, you know, I have my phone with me, so let me just pull up the YouTube app super duper quickly because I was listening Wars. to it on my way here. But uh, um, oh, Anakin yes. is the, wait. Hang on, I, the first result if you just uh, punch French Star Wars into YouTube is it's Le Orchestra Cinematic. Oh yeah, I know. Listen to this. For Cinematico. <laughs> this is um. Uh, Anakin is defeated by Obi-Wan by the high ground, but it's voiced by French Google Translate. He have failed you, Anakin. He have failed you. He should have known the Jedi were plotting to take over. Anakin. <laughs> the Jedi are evil. The Chancellor Palpatine is evil. <laughs> Try playing on YouTube Le Orchestra... Cinematicus. I've um, uh, I uh, have Ahsoka's um, theme. Okay, the orchestra. 
Uh, uh, so you know, it's funny. I think I featured that. I have featured um their music, um, uh, quite a bit on the show. Well, leading up to the Rise of Skywalker, they were doing a bunch of stuff with like the trailer music. Um, all right, here we go. skip to the the epic part oh yeah this is the straight from the season five finale straight from the Rebels scene, the Rebels finale. pretty good yeah uh, and i i sent you a link to the other channel as well because those are the three channels that i was listening to anyway mm. uh the, the third channel that i just sent you also has a really really cool lord of the rings epic mix too oh, so oh nice yeah. no i've the uh, podcast I've been, has ended so i derailed I've, you with music, I love that. no no you're good <laughs> uh no absolutely well i should uh I, i'm gonna bounce out um,